Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How's everybody doing? You ready for Bruce MacArthur part two? Part two, man. We're getting into the nitty gritty. The killings. Yeah. The bodies. I was going to say, this This is a two-parter on a serial killer. and There hasn't even been a single murder yet. So I know. <laughs> strap in because part two gets pretty... It gets it gets heavy fast. I mean, we're we're not. There's no uh, fluff in this one. We're getting right into it. That's right. That's right. The Canadian Gacy man. Uh, there was a lot more to it than what we thought. We originally mm-hmm. didn't didn't expect to do this two parter, but you kind of have to. Kind of have to. If you guys haven't checked out part one, definitely check that out. Hear about his childhood, uh, how this monster was created. Right. Yeah. Whereas, as Dan Carlin would say, unless you like hearing the end of stories before the beginning, then I guess just hang out for part two. <laughs> <laughs> Right, unless you're like a Star Wars fan, you like watching the the, the sequels. The right, prequels. or a Tarantino. <laughs> Maybe you could Tarantino this shit and listen to this one, and then go back and listen to part one. Yeah, and be like, oh, it makes so much sense now. <laughs> <laughs> right, I was so confused for the first one. Yeah. Right on, man. Are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. All right. I just had to see him. That was facing my demon. When I was sitting there and hearing the charges, like the what he, the, the abbreviated of what he did to those people, I was thinking, for me to get out of there unscathed, um, I felt guilt over that. Like um, I felt like I didn't deserve to be sitting amongst them. Being a survivor, you carry a lot more, um, like the families carry the pain for the, for the lost ones. Um, I carry my own pain for, I, and when I have a night terror, first I wake up bawling, crying, and then for about an hour and a half after, I can't stop crying, but it is switched from whatever the nightmare was about to, this man has made me the shell of a person that I used to be, and my confidence, and, and, and then I mourn for the loss of what I used to be. And that, that's hard, that's very difficult. I used to be very confident, very um, outgoing, and um, I don't go out in Toronto anymore. I, tra- I, I do travel, I have friends in other places. I don't like, like from my bedroom window, I can see where, basically where he picked me up that day. And that's a constant reminder. He looked like a jovial Santa Claus, like life of the party type guy. Um, a little bit of like trying to sh- show that he did have the resume to back up what he said in terms of experience. But yesterday, like that was not the same person. When you said guilty, 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 how do you feel? Uh, that that set off so many emotions that didn't that were incongruent with each other like it was just like um there was happiness but you can't have happiness over it because there's still eight dead and then there's, there's sadness over like why this even had to happen in the first place and then there's confusion like like i'm glad that part's over i think he's he's left he's done a number on me i know i'm not um dead and buried but um i'm from not who I was. All right, here we go. We're back for part two of Bruce MacArthur, and we're going to start getting into the disappearances of his victims um, and people starting to connect the dots. Not so much the police, but uh, the community, uh, mainly the gay community in Toronto, we're started connecting dots and saying this is something's going on here. Yeah, a lot of criticism um, of the police force in this case. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as in most cases, (laughs) true, true. And yeah, yeah, because I mean, any serial killer case, right? We're like, he got away with it this long. Every just about every serial killer case we've ever done. We've at some point said he should have been caught here and it should have been over. Yeah. But when you're talking 70s and 80s, there's a little more of this is the difference where we thought that we progressed, uh, you know, and we should have by this point from like police different different police tactics and investigation and we now right. we have surveillance and now we know what a serial killer is back then they didn't even know what they were dealing with right we're talking just and a little over a decade have GPS ago. you didn't have like yeah there's like there's a lot of advantages for police now mm-hmm. so you it would you would think it would be a lot harder to be a successful serial killer but 
Sadly, yeah. if you st if you still target the right victims, I suppose you can you can get away with it even to this day a little bit longer than you should. Yeah, because Bruce MacArthur he didn't have any crazy like modern methods. He wasn't no. he wasn't doing it. he was using old serial killer methods. He was no different than a serial killer like Gacy or it was, PCK or whatever. It, it was a little enraging when you think about how like he was connected to each of these victims early on. Like he was seen with them. He, he was mm -hmm. like semi dating them, like or whatever. Like people knew that he was near the victims, and then they disappear. And it's like, of couldn't course, the community's Bruce. like, yeah. It's like the cops are like, oh, it couldn't be that guy, <laughs> right? He's such a nice guy. You heard the interview yeah. in part one, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he plays Santa Claus. How could he do that, right? Jeez. All right, so in the early morning hours of September 6, 2010, a refugee from Sri Lanka named Skanda or Skanda Navartam uh, was seen leaving Zippers, a local gay bar, with an unknown in individual. Perfect name mm -hmm. for a gay bar, right? Zippers? <laughs> yeah, that is that's a pretty good name, actually. Yeah. That's a pretty good one, man. I mean, really for any kind of bar, but like... Just, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a gay bar in Las Vegas for a long time on, on Rainbow and uh, Spring Mountain, I think yeah. it was called uh what was it the loose caboose something like that <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah the me and my parents caboose. went in there one morning like oh this new place opened up let's go over there for breakfast and we walk in it was like a record scratch <laughs> i was like you know eight years old or something <laughs> wait this isn't the lodge <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh shit good breakfast by the way oh okay so, well good good yeah. Uh, Skanda had previously been employed by Bruce at his landscaping company, and the two had been engaged in a sexual relationship in the past as well. So once again, like we talked yeah. about, the, you know, he's connected to this person that goes disappear, that disappears. Right. And part of their relationship that he had with some of these victims uh, was kind of a, by nature a secret relationship because they had relationships of their own and they were kind of hiding their sexuality yeah. at times. Um, but still, like people in the gay community knew that they had been seeing each other at times. So they were the ones that were blowing the whistle saying, Hey, you know, this guy disappeared and he's yeah. not like he, he's not the type to disappear. You need to look into this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Skanda had met Bruce back in 1999 when he had first moved to Toronto and his friends had even stated that the two had been involved with each other as recently as 2008. Um, Skanda was 40 years old at the time of dis his disappearance and had just recently gotten himself a new, a new dog that was apparently excited. He was very excited about. However, on the night that he left Zippers, he also left behind his new puppy at the bar with promises to return, uh, promises to return to claim it. Wow. So, that, yeah, that's odd. Yeah. Why would you leave your new puppy at a bar? Maybe there's some people not, there you really trusted, back. though. You know, if you're a regular. Well, no, maybe. I get that. Yeah, I get that. But like to not come back is definitely a red flag to get your puppy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. But, I mean, it's also Canada, so, of course, you know, they'll, they'll do you a solid and watch your puppy. Yeah, I guess. You can just bring your dog anywhere, I guess, in Canada, huh? Right. Yeah, you yeah. can't even rent a house if you have a dog in, in America. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Certainly not an apartment for the most right? part. Seriously. Unless it's like a, a, what do they call it, a teacup poodle or whatever? Yeah, a fucking teacup chihuahua or anything yeah. small, I guess. And then you got to hide that those dog, Those are the too. ones that are more likely to pee on everything. I know, the big right? Ones. They get Scratch those little pea brains. Yeah, really. I have, I have a little chihuahua that I never really asked for, but she's she's a good, you know, mostly a good dog. But yeah, she's the one most likely to pee on crap. She won't go outside if it's too cold. Oh, yeah. She's really just like, how did you come from wolves? Seriously. <laughs> like, this is. But look at the climates they were bred in. They were bred in southern warm climates, man. You know? The chihuahua yeah. came from Mexico, right? Yeah, it's like, it, yeah, you know. maybe it's our fault because you yeah, know, we, 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 we got here. her when we were we were got her when we were living in Vegas, and now we moved up to the cold mountains, and it's like, of course, yeah. she's in a culture shock. She's like, what is this shit? Yeah, she's like, hey, I was in the desert. I'm, I was where I belong, and now you took me <laughs> up here, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so you're now you get piss on your rug. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> How do you like that, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. Um, so th this uh, this time uh, where Skanda was seen leaving Zippers was the last time that he would be seen alive. And he would be then reported missing on September 11th after failing to ever come to claim his dog at the bar. And the next time that he would be seen would be when his remains were recovered alongside other victims, um, which we'll get to later on. Uh, yeah. Somewhere that MacArthur had access to, of course. Right. So this would, as far as we know today, be the first confirmed victim of Bruce MacArthur as of of course, there's still very recent investigations into his past that are ongoing because this is such a new case. Mm -hmm. And he had plenty of time in the past and opportunity 
to kill if he wanted to. We talked about that in part one, how he had a traveling job and he got right. such a late start as a serial killer that it's just kind of hard for us knowing what we know about serial killers, having done so many episodes and studied so many that to believe that he started at 50 is, is kind of hard to believe. Yeah. It's kind of far-fetched, man. Especially, mm -hmm. like you say, having the jobs that he had. He had so many opportunities throughout mm -hmm. his 30s and 40s. Yeah. Um, and it would not be long after killing Skanda that Bruce would move on to claim his second victim in late December of 2010. A 42-year-old Afghan immigrant who had come to Canada with his wife and children a few years prior by the name of Bazir Fazi. Um, and Bazir had been living a double life and had never come out to his family. He had come from another very religious background and because of his beliefs, never was confident enough to embrace his sexuality. Mm. So makes for, you know, a little bit of a easier victim for Bruce to target someone who's right. living a double life and his family didn't exactly know where, where he was going at night like this. Exactly. He knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. He had been telling his family that he'd been working overtime hours to make sure that he could afford his daughter for, uh, get, to give his daughters whatever they wanted for Christmas. And this was likely part of his cover so that he could be meeting other men in the gay village neighborhood. Um, but while he was officially last seen leaving work on December 28th, bank statements place him visiting a, a local gay bar at, and, uh, and the Steamworks bathhouse. So, okay. um, Bazir's car would be found abandoned just a few steps away from the entrance to the Beltline Trail, which had become a popular cruising spot for gay men to meet each other. Sadly, like most of Bruce's other victims, the next time anyone would see him would be in the uh, would be in a planter bed that uh, Bruce had basically made into his burial grounds. Right. <clears throat> Let's get into that part of the story with a serial killer where they almost get caught. This happens oh, every yay. time. Right. And we almost should like make an intro in the show for this. That's a what? little bit too. Is that would just be a little bit too like t distasteful? But like you almost could make like uh, a little. A little intro for like here we go with the part where they almost got caught oh you know what I'm <laughs> right yeah i hate this so, part it's aggravating at the same time yeah. it would be in november of 2012 that the police would finally take more aggressive action into finding uh, macarthur's first victim skanda um, after a tip that police received about a man posting on a dark web cannibal website stating that he had killed and eaten a man in 2010 this, of course, had nothing to do with Skanda or MacArthur, but it did cause the police to form their first task force in the case, Project Houston. This task force would be formed a few weeks too late, however, as in October of 2012, Bruce would have claimed his third victim, a 58-year-old Afghan immigrant named Majid Hamid Kayan. Or Kayan. Mm. And by tw June of 2013, the Project Houston task force had been able to link the two second appearances to Skanda, uh, then following an anonymous tip provided to police, they were able to connect Skanda to, and his previous relationship with Bruce together. So now they're starting to connect some dots here by the time the third one, I feel like that's pretty, pretty quick for them to connect these three. Right. Um, but they still have nothing said, Like concrete. we said, we have, yeah. And we have, they have every advantage as we mentioned, you know, having the internet and uh, everything else to their disposal to find out more about these victims as mm -hmm. they're reported missing. Yep. Um, Project Houston interviewed Bruce around this time. So now, he, yeah, he's connected to the first victim, and the first victim is connected to the next two victims. So, of course, he comes up as a potential suspect, right. and they interview him. And even though he told the police that he had known Skanda and had employed both, he and the third victim. So now he's connecting himself to two of these three victims. Mm. Um, he denied having been in a relationship with them. But still, man to think that you're connected with these two who weren't connected with each other aside from the fact that they both disappeared and died you know we didn't know they were dead yet but they both disappeared around the same time and were part of the same community right and now you're connecting yourself to them separately from the fact that they had the fact that they went missing in common exactly that's yeah, it's, it's that, starting to add up that's a lot of coincidence there no doubt a lot but of still all circumstantial yes no doubt Despite the connections between himself and two of the missing men, there was no evidence to tie him to either of them, and he would be passed over in the search for their whereabouts. So aside from him saying that he had, you know, had a, some sort of a, a connection to them with work or whatever, mm -hmm. they didn't have any actual concrete evidence that they spent much time together. Yeah. Hmm. But that, this being said to me, if I'm an investigator, I, I'm putting surveillance on him at this point. Absolutely. Like he's we your strongest suspect. He's connected to two of the three victims. 
He's yeah. known in the community. Like, wh what do you have to lose from dedicating one or two detectives to follow him around? And, and, and we know that there's been three guys that have been missing, gone, gone missing in a short period of time that this, this killer, or, you know, if you think it's a killer at this point, is, is not slowing down. You, no. It's just a matter of time before there's another person that goes missing from this exactly. community. So in 2014, Project Houston would be disbanded after failing to produce any suspects or leads into the case for the missing men. This would be a difficult blow to the gay community who had been begun to uh, openly fear for their safety after multiple people had disappeared over the previous years. Mm. So it's disbanded before it ever really did anything, it sounds like. Yeah. Unfortunately. And it may have been due to this initial task force and the questioning by police, but it seems that it possibly put Bruce in a bit of a cooling off period most likely due to how close the investigation had already come to him, or maybe genuinely tr he tried to stop at this point, which is very possible. We saw that uh, Dennis Rader did that for a long time. Yeah. You know, basically just stopped cold turkey. And that was when he got to around this age. I think the, the older that the you know, serial killer gets, the more likely they are to finally stop once your testosterone drops enough. But this guy got such a late start that he was really just getting started. I know, right? I think he was just laying low because of the heat. I, I don't think he wanted 100%. to stop. Yeah, it was just that he felt the heat on him. He felt the connections happening. And mm -hmm. not to mention, he's already been interviewed by police twice for those attacks that we talked about in, in part one, you know, where mm -hmm. he attacks the guy with the bar and then yes. he also chokes the guy. That's in the another van. thing, dude. That's another thing. Okay. Had that not been wiped from his record, as we've talked about in part one, maybe mm -hmm. the police would have put him under. They, you'd have to think they would have put him under surveillance or you, they better have. have to. Two violent After attacks. After he's then connected to three missing persons from the gay community. And he, yep. you find out on his record that he had hit a guy over the head with a fucking pipe. And tried during, to choke the guy in the van, During too. a gay relationship. I mean, there's yeah. just too many dots to connect there. Like, Yep, yep. I'll still never yep. understand why they wiped that. That I don't like you, I think you mentioned that they, they wouldn't have wiped that from his record in America so quickly. It would have taken a long time, if no. ever. Attack with a bar? Yeah, no well, like that's that's not an now, accident. Now, now the, the other incident that I keep referencing and the one that he talked about in the intro in part one that I played... Um, where he's choking the guy in the van, I kind of see how he got out of that one, right? Because maybe these two did have rough sex oh. on a regular basis. And then also mm -hmm. it makes the detectives uncomfortable. And, you know, he was completely honest and, I mean, not completely honest, but he was very thorough in his story, right? And he kept repeating the story perfectly. Like, I, I kind of understand how the detectives kind of let that one go. It was one of those scenarios where it was his ver his word versus his word, you know. Right. And Bruce didn't have like this violent past or anything like that, and he's just saying, "Hey, it got a little bit. I got a little bit too rough when we were having sex." Exactly. It like happens. I kind of understand that one, but the pipe. Yeah. But like, the it, pipe, it, dude. But leaving a man bleeding unprovoked, from the head, completely unprovoked, just like guys walking, you walking him to his door, and then you just pull out a metal pipe and bash him over the head and almost kill him. Like, yeah. That. That's got to stay on your record. That's a, a very to. alarming thing. <laughs> that then, is the most dangerous of people. Yeah, and then as it so happens, he's then connected to three missing persons from the gay community. Yeah. When he had a gay relationship with this guy that he bashed over the head with a pipe. They they just didn't want to touch it. I, I don't know what else to say. I feel like they just didn't want to touch it at this time. Well, the, the investigators into the missing persons didn't know about the pipe. The, the issue there is that it was wiped from his record so wiped quickly. Wiped from the record, yeah. Like, how is it? Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah. They, they didn't may even have costed lives by, they, they costed lives, in my opinion, by, by just wiping that from his record so quickly. Yeah. What... Well, what the risk reward there uh, for the community, like what did, like I, I guess yeah. it makes it a little harder for him to get a job or something. Okay, but like the risk there is that you wipe that and then he goes on to do some shit like this, and you the police when they first look into him and he pops up on their suspect list have no idea what a violent, right, you know, person he can be. They have no idea of this arrest record. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be around this time in 2014 that Bruce's son, Todd, from his previous marriage, would come back into Bruce's life on a more full-time basis. Todd MacArthur, who said that, who said early, uh, maybe a little too much, was like his father. Uh, <laughs> we, said, we said he was a little bit too much was like his father because he had some alarming tendencies uh, you know, with women. Okay. Um, he had been caught making obscene phone calls to women and giving, given 14 months in jail for his crimes. So didn't, mm. the apple didn't fall, fall far from the tree there. Right. But he was interested in women? Or maybe yes. he was, okay. Yeah, but violent with them. Okay, gotcha. After being released, however, he would be ordered to stay with his father in Toronto, in his Toronto apartment. That's got sitcom written all over it, right? Oh, I know. <laughs> Two and a half men. Right yeah. Right. 
Two and a half devils. Uh, while there, he would witness, be witness to his father's new and very open lifestyle, as well as finding himself working at artistic designs as well. So he's working for his father's landscaping company, which we mentioned that Bruce had started in part right. one of this series. Uh, very Gacy-esque. Now he uh-huh. can basically employ these guys that he's going to turn into victims. Right. And have this outward appearance of a successful businessman and all that. This all just benefits his, his lifestyle Lands- of killing. And landscaping and construction, they're great businesses to be in to just hire anybody because there's always yeah. something to do, right? And then you can give even someone with no experience, they can be a helpful yeah. member of either of those crews, whether and it's you clean can, up or whatever, you know. Some of these type of companies, you, you can hire people under the table and Oh yeah. Get away with it for a long time. And then like they're not even on your payroll. So like when you when they disappear, you don't even necessarily have to mention that they work for you if there's no right. nothing tying you them to your company. No. And and like most people would rather have cash under the table. Yeah, exactly. I know a lot of times a, a lot of these side labor. A lot of these were refugees the or, you know, immigrants that had come over and who knows where they stood from like whether were they legal citizens yet. Right. Exactly. So it's perfect That's a great for point him. as well. Um so yeah, uh later on friends of Todd's would stay would say that they came over to visit him and Bruce had multiple pictures of naked men on his wall and some that he had taken himself in many sporting erections. It's a uh, interesting well, artwork. I, mean, that's, I guess that's when you part go to of a friend's course. house. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he lived by himself for a long time. You know, <laughs> your dad's a new mm-hmm. man now. <laughs> right. It's uh, you gotta I feel like I if you're gonna you have, have nude men on your walls, they should be erect. It's it's. Yeah, come on, do, do right <laughs> by those guys. Don't do half-ass right. it. <laughs> yeah, do right by those guys, man. They don't want to be up there all fucking like they just got yeah. out of the pool or some shit. You know, like yeah, they they don't, yeah they don't want to make be making the argument that they're a grower, not a shower. You know. Yeah. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Let's just you put should see what it's staff. really capable of. <laughs> <laughs> so this made Todd's friends a bit uncomfortable, as you'd imagine. Yeah. I mean, I'd be uncomfortable even if it was nude women. If I go to a friend's house and their parents just have nude women all over the walls. Like in the public space? Just nude anybody. Yeah. yeah it's just like. It's like in your right. in your man cave or in your bedroom. Yeah. Like you. Okay, sure. Whatever. But like in, in your the living space, room? But yeah. In the living room, the kitchen. <laughs> right. We're eating, we're eating to, dinner and I got to look at a, right. a hard schlong. I know, right? I'm trying to look at this fucking bone. Or even if I got to look at a nude dinner. woman, it's just like, okay, well, now I'm getting worked up while I'm eating some spaghetti. <laughs> I don't need this. I'm not even hungry anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a time and place, people. Right, right. Excellent point. Yeah. So, they, you know, they would come over. Bruce would laugh about the whole thing <clears throat> and talk about them as if they were uh, normal family art pictures on the walls. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. This is a hell of a midlife crisis he's going through here. He yeah. just went to straight don't give a fuck about I know, everything. right? I know. And I, I kind of understand it at a certain point because there is there is a beauty, right, in nudity, but it has to be done in a certain way, right? Yeah, and like, like, like you said, I mean. Like the Statue of David, right? It's, it's like, <laughs> it's culture. It's, you don't really, the first thing you think about is not nudity per se. You know what I'm saying? My, like, my thing with this, this scenario, but, he was a bachelor, right? Yeah. I'm fine with it to that extent. You're you're a gay bachelor. You had a, a fake marriage and all that stuff for a long time, and now you want to live your life how you want to live it. Yeah. But once your son comes to live with you, and his friends are coming over and stuff, you got to take the fucking nude. You got to take the dicks off the wall and put them in your bedroom. <laughs> at that point, I, I I would think so. Just that just out of courtesy. I mean, yes, if you really just, want your son to live there, like if you really yes. want that company, maybe he didn't. Maybe that was his thing. You know, yeah. he didn't want to be a father to kick his son out, but he also didn't really care to have him there either. So he was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not changing anything. If you live here with me, you live under my terms. Right. And that's his right as well. I mean, well, he's like, To an extent, like think about our homes, right? Like you come into my home, that's not really how I would have it if I was a single man. Like I go to my buddy's house. He's got all this crazy art, art all over the walls, like, you know, musicians yeah. and things like that. It's kind of like Joe Rogan's fucking, you know, studio. Like I'd, yeah. I'd have pictures of Jimi Hendrix and shit in my fucking living room. Right. But I got a family and my my wife has no interest in having all that weird art on the walls in the living yeah. room. So, you know, <laughs> that's where I got like my fucking basement down here has got all the weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I got serial killer pictures on my wall and shit. It's a compromise. Yeah. Exactly. My, my studio walls are full of art. Yes. Yeah, Your studio is exactly how my, if, if I was a bachelor, how my whole house would look. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be all be kinds cool. of trippy art and shit. Exactly, exactly. Well, at least you have That's your space up. now. Yes. 
So it wouldn't be until August of 2015 that Bruce would make his return back onto the scene. And at this time, there would be nothing but escalation from here on out. So he goes back into it headfirst. Mm-hmm. Claiming two victims in August alone, Bruce would begin to find not only his preferred, vic- preferred victim type, but his confidence in feeling like he was untouchable. That's another part of a serial killer case that yep. we do every time. They almost get every caught. Time. They don't get caught. Then they get emboldened, and then they just start getting going fucking crazy. And that's really right. where they hit their peak as a serial killer. They go on a rampage, and then they almost get too cocky, and then they get yep. caught. That's usually Especially, how it goes. Yep, and it usually happens after a few confrontations with the police. It's like once they talk <laughs> to the police and they're still free, it's like that mm-hmm. is the green light for so many serial mm-hmm. killers. They're like, oh, Because yeah, they're already a narcissist, and now they just get confirmation that they can lie and get away with it. And yep. They're like, like I, we said, they're untouchable. Yeah, they're like, I can talk my way out of anything at this point. Mm-hmm. People will believe anything I say. Yep. Over the next two years, Bruce would claim another four men as victims to his already growing list. It would be in June of 2017, one day after attending the local Pride Festival in Toronto, that another member of the LGBT community would be reported missing. This one, maybe he screwed up because he picked a really well-known person in the community that was beloved. And like Mm -hmm. this dude, this dude immediately, as soon as he went missing, was noticed by everyone. And they were blasting it out to the community, getting all over the police about it. And this would be Andrew Kinsman. He was a prominent and well-known figure in the community and not and had not been seen by his friends in a couple of days. And after they forced their way into his apartment, only to find that undisturbed with his beloved cat still at home, they knew something bad had happened to Andrew. You know, he was not the type to leave his cat unfed and things like that and right. just disappear. <clears throat> so after reporting his disappearance to the authorities, the Toronto Police Department began to try and find any connections with Andrew's case to the ones of the prior missing men. During this time that police were conducting their initial, initial investigation into Andrew's disappearance, Bruce would attempt to claim yet another victim, mm. Sean Cribben, who was an acquaintance of Bruce. Uh, he had come over to his apartment for what had been discussed as consensual sex between the two. But during their encounter, the rough sex and bondage that Bruce began to inflict upon Cribben started to obviously become more than what he had agreed upon. And Bruce started to strangle Cribben during their act, sex act. But in the act of divine intervention, in an act of divine intervention, he was interrupted by his son, Todd, coming home to the apartment. Mm. Good time. So, yeah, time. this his son is just really screwing up everything for him. This <sighs> moment allowed for Cribben to escape from the home, flee for his life, and call the police. You see, and, this and is kind of what I was alluding to earlier about he probably really doesn't want his son there. But you can't say, yeah. I don't want <clears throat> you living with me because I kill people. So mm-hmm. you put dicks in the living room. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you start sending little messages like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You like this, huh? All right, then get the fuck out. Right. So in a move that Bruce had already tried previously, however, he would drive himself to the police station and report his side of the story first. So he tries to get to the police before the victim, telling the police that the encounter had been consensual and that the man had panicked and was freaking out. Mm Mm-hmm. And in an all-too-common occurrence, Bruce was released by police and no charges were filed after Cribben decided against reporting the incident to the authorities. Cribben, however, would be interviewed by investigators after Bruce's arrest later on and would be a witness to a, a witness against him in court. Nice. Those ones that got yeah. away, man, they always come back and help. Yes. Those are the real heroes in a lot of these stories. Mm-hmm. They really are. The police also had to let Cribben know that the incidents he had, incident he had uh, never reported had actually been recorded without his knowledge by Bruce. Mm. So he had him on tape. Just well, they had to Bruce's the creepiness story of this of whole it. thing. <clears throat> well, no, they what, what they t- the police told him was that he had been recorded during the sex act. Bruce was recording video, oh. I believe. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So I wow. think they found that tape later on. Police did. Oh. Okay. Well, that's better than any testimony. That's premeditation in a sense, right? He was recording it knowing he was going to do shit to this dude. Uh, I guess. Um, unless unless he's just like uh, Dennis from fucking Sunny in Philadelphia, right? And just records uh, all of his sex encounters. That's what I was going to say. Like, I mean, it's not weird for people to record themselves having sex on a regular basis. It's, re- it's so. weird to record someone when they don't know you're recording them, though. Yes. Yeah. Even illegal, you know, If you're both right? cool with illegal? it, you're making a porn together or whatever, sure. Yeah. But yeah, like you, you have a one-night stand with someone and you have a... a you know, video going and they have no idea about it. Yeah, that's, no, that's, 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 that's fucking up. creepy. That's yeah. straight Dennis from... Dude, isn't that illegal? <clears throat> it should be if it's not. I think it is illegal to record somebody like against their Without knowledge. their consent. Without Unless their it's consent. in public, right? If it's in public, you're allowed to record whatever pretty much. Yeah. That's how just, a lot of people get away with like their YouTube channels where they go around recording 
people in public and stuff like that. But yeah, right. like if you put a video camera in your bathroom and like people are coming over and they have no oh. idea, like that's that's definitely illegal. That's definitely illegal. Definitely. Yeah. But I don't know about recording in your own house. It's like recording in your room is, is iffy because nowadays everyone has indoor cameras that's you know, what I was for, say. for security purposes and things like that. So it's a it's a weird fine line. I guess if the, if the victim could prove that it was recorded with the intent of recording the sex act and not just like a camera that happened to catch it on, you know, tape, yeah, it'd be different. Yeah, exactly. That's hard to prove. Nonetheless, Bruce has crossed way more lines than like this is the, the least of anyone's worries him recording something i mean the, the problem is what he's doing to these people no doubt his intent yeah. was pro- most likely to kill this guy um and his son coming home kind of ruined that right for him um so it would be during this time that the initial stages of andrew kinsman's investigation were well underway as well since his disappearance had been reported so soon after his abduction the police were able to find a key piece of evidence in his apartment that would give them the first major lead that they would have in the case After searching his home, police found the name Bruce marked on Andrew's calendar for June 26th, the last day that he had been seen. Once finding this bit of information, the police were also able to find surveillance footage of Andrew on the day he went missing. The footage showed Andrew outside of his apartment building getting into a vehicle with an unidentified older male. They were not able to get a clear picture of the driver or the license plate. However, in a very CSI-esque moment, the police were able to make out that the vehicle was a red 2004 Dodge Caravan. Mm-hmm. And they were able to check and see how many of those were registered in the Toronto area. And with a little bit of luck, out of the 6,000 Dodge Caravans registered in Toronto, five of them were owned by a man named Bruce. <laughs> that seems like a lot. I-, I would be like, I don't know, maybe two at max. <laughs> but there's right. five Bruces with caravans in Toronto. Right. I mean, it's a big Red city. caravans at that. Oh, oh, wow. Red caravans at that. Yeah. I believe uh, the the color. Well, maybe, maybe they figured that even if it was purchased as red, the color could have been changed. So maybe they just recorded all five of whatever color. But probably there was only the important thing is that there was only one uh, registered owner of a red 2004 caravan, and that was Bruce MacArthur. So I think the red did make the difference. Okay. So there was only one Bruce with a red caravan. Gotcha. And of course, it was Bruce MacArthur, who at this point they should have on their radar. For Come Christ's on, sake. people. <clears throat> Um, yeah, and this this would be the big light bulb moment for police. This when there was so many that should have been the lights were not going on when they should have, right? <laughs> yeah, they were still making those connections. You know, the the connection wasn't quite the strong. Wi- it, they yet. weren't wired up quite right. <laughs> yeah. So it would be after discovering that they now had the their number one suspect in both Andrew Kinman, Kinsman's disappearance as well as multiple other men over the past few years. And with them now having a target in their sights, the Toronto police set another task force together to try and bring this predator to justice. And this would be Project Prism, which was put together in July of 2017 and was overseen by Detective Sergeant Michael Richmond and led by Detective Sergeant Hank Idzigna, who had previously been assigned to Project Houston for six months, which was quickly disbanded, as we mentioned earlier. Right. It's, It's now at this point that the members of the Project Prism are in full pursuit of Bruce and any hard evidence that they can find to figure out exactly what happened to Andrew. So you have to imagine they have him under surveillance now, 24-7. God, I hope so. Just tr- I would hope so. They began searching anywhere they can to try and find the van that Bruce had driven that night that he had taken Andrew and it wasn't until late October uh, or until October 3rd of 2018 that detectives were finally able to locate the red van at Dom's Auto Parts in Cordes, Ontario, about 43 miles north of uh, uh, Toronto. He clearly had tried to get rid of this thing, knowing that this victim that he had abducted with this van was a high-profile individual in the gay right. community. And there was a lot of people that were looking for him now. So yeah. he had recently visited the shop and sold the van to the owners for the first cash offer they gave him, which was 115 bucks. Holy shit. Yeah, this is a scrapyard. Dom's they Auto even, Parts is a, it's a junkyard. They, it's they not, know damn well they're buying something yeah. involved in a crime when you get a caravan for 115 bucks, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you guys got to you got to know this no is like No questions asked, right? Yeah, this isn't like an O'Reilly's or Advance Auto Parts. Like this is <clears throat> this is a scrapyard where they probably mm-hmm. do really shady shit and mm-hmm. they probably took that or planned on taking that van apart anyways. Mm-hmm. And 150 $115 in it damn i mean they could sell a freaking it was more worth more than that by far than just metal right like just scrap metal oh god yeah easy i mean they could sell the wheels and make that Mm -hmm. back oh you could part it out and get your money back in that's what i'm saying i mean that's what they're going to do they're an auto parts place Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah that being said the police got to it before it was scrapped out and they were able to uh tow it off the lot and allow for forensic team to fully sweep the inside of the van 
During the sweep, the team was able to find traces of blood that matched both Andrew and another of vis- uh, Bruce's vi- prior victims. Oof. He's toast at this point. He's toast. He's fucked. Clearly, uh, clearly, Bruce was trying to get rid of the evidence at this point and was trying to cover up his tracks, but the members of the Project Prism were hot on his trail now and just waiting for the right moment to make their move. Why even wait any longer, dude? Why, why let another person get victimized when there's just there's far beyond circumstantial evidence? Now you have physical evidence in his van, blood yeah. related to your missing high-profile victim here. Yeah, this guy needs to Take be in him custody. in, dude, yeah. because now look what happens. Like, another person is... is fucking victimized and thankfully not killed they barely get to him in time right but it shouldn't have happened no so after being placed under 24-hour surveillance by the police the members of project prism decided to covertly break into bruce's apartment where he and his son were at while he he and his son were at work i can't see that happen in america no like even if you have a search warrant like i think the person has to be the owner have to, has to be in, on the premises or whatever while you do your search you can't just go like while they're gone and just go search through their shit right i've never known of anybody for that to happen i mean right i don't know i mean i mean but we that do seems have like that would ruin your whole tro- that would to me that seems like that's something in america that a lawyer would use to like ruin their whole trial and get I know, them right? off for murder right and be like well you went into his premises without his consent like with no warrant or whatever even if you had a warrant he he wasn't yeah. present his lawyer wasn't present during the search who knows what you could have put in there or whatever. I mean, but they do bust up in places here in America, but it's usually like SWAT team type shit, right? It's like, yeah, it's for like heavy drug operations or maybe human trafficking rings or shit like that mm-hmm. where they'll bust up in. But like just some guy who's under investigation, I don't mm-hmm. think they're sneaking into his house. You sneak when into there. the apartment while he's gone. Yeah. That's- yeah. So they were able to clone the contents of his hard drive and get a copy of his key fob log and try to uh, better track his movements around the time of Andrew's disappearance. The clone of the hard drive turned out to be a key piece of evidence for the members of Project Prism, and when they began to reveal the contents of what was hidden inside, they found multiple images of deceased men in different stages of undress. Mm-hmm. Very Dahmer-esque. Remember his Polaroids that he had? They were f- the, some of the most yeah. disturbing things I've ever seen. Yeah. That classic photo of the guy's like headless, arched back. Was, yeah, oof. yeah, that one, that one, that never, that will never leave my my uh, my hard drive. Speaking no. of hard drive, unfortunately, that will always be. There's a clone of that in there, unfortunately, that I can't get out. It's stuck in a folder. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So pictures from MacArthur's uh, computer revealed that he posed many of his dead victims naked, apart from a f- apart from a fur coat or hats. The court, the court heard. Uh, at least one had his eyes taped open and another had unlit cigars hanging from their lips. MacArthur shaved some of his victims' heads and beards after strangling them and kept bags of hair in Ziploc bags at a shed near Toronto. He could not be creepier. He could not be. If he wanted to. I mean, and honestly, I don't think this is for show, whereas like some of the other guys that we've covered, it was like they're trying to freak people out. No, this was for his own pleasure. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like you're keeping hair in a Ziploc bag. Yeah, and he got like, off on that shit. Taping victims' eyes open for pictures. It's like, fucking, that's disturbing. Very, very. So, finally, in January of 2018, it seemed as though the task force finally had enough evidence to bring Bruce MacArthur down for good. Somehow, this still had not was not enough for the police of Toronto to immediately arrest him, as they chose to continue their surveillance and were told to arrest him if they saw him alone with anyone. So they're basically waiting for him to victimize someone else, like we mentioned. Trying to catch him in the act. So I don't get it, dude. You job. have more than enough. You have more than enough. The pictures on the hard drive of dead men, the fucking blood in the van the, matching up to a missing person that he was last seen with. Right. I mean, I guess what more do you need? I don't know. I guess they're waiting for that freaking softball toss, that freaking hole in one of. They want to catch him, him red handed in the act, like yeah. But this, and that's there's exactly blood what happens. Missing people in his van, like that's that is red handed in the. This act. would be like a lifeguard wanting to, you know, get some action, so they wait for someone to start drowning before they jump in and save yeah. them. You know, that's what this <laughs> is going on. It's a you're, cool you're starting story. a fire as a firefighter to put it out to be a hero, like. Knock yeah, it off. That's 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 not a bad comparison. That's kind of what's happening. Yeah. So officers who had been surveilling uh, MacArthur decided to arrest him shortly after they saw a young man enter his Thorncliff Park apartment on January eighteenth, twenty eighteen, and they all uh, they they basically came in just in the nick of time. And it wasn't shortly after they saw him enter the apartment. Clearly, because what they came in and witnessed was this dude almost 
on the verge of death, basically. Right. The officers found the man just in the nick of time when they entered the apartment finally. Bruce had already begun trying to murder him. He had mm. chained the man, uh, John, to his four-poster uh, four steel bed frame and put a black bag over his head. There were no holes in the bag to see or breathe. And when John tried to remove the bag, MacArthur tried to tape his mouth shut. At that point, police knocked on the door. The man was shaken but not injured. He told police that he had met MacArthur through a dating app called Growler and that they had met for sex several times. He had agreed to keep his relationship with MacArthur secret and let himself be handcuffed to MacArthur's steel bed frame. MacArthur put a black bag over his head on this occasion and tried to tape his mouth shut before police interrupted them. Hmm. Dude, he would do this. He would groom these victims. Like, he would meet with them a few times, right, and gain their trust. Mm. And then I imagine he's probably taking it a little further each time, right? So they'll trust him. And then he, you know, by the third or fourth time, he decides he wants to kill him all of a sudden. I, I think it would maybe... And it's too late. At like, my 10-year anniversary with my wife was finally the point where I would maybe allow her to handcuff me to a bed. <laughs> like, it's just that's... You're putting a ton of trust into someone else. Like they could really do anything to you at that point. There's nothing. Like I, it's, there's no so, way third, third, yeah. uh, third encounter on Growler. Am I letting you fucking handcuff me to anything? Come Not on, a chance. Yeah, maybe the fourth, but the the, the third encounter. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, no, I feel you, dude. I'm not meeting any stranger and like getting bound in any way, shape, or form. No. Like not nope. for a long time, like you say. Nope. Yeah, that's crazy. So. Caught red-handed in the act, there was no doubt in the police's mind that Bruce MacArthur had killed Andrew Kinsman and they had most and he had most likely been responsible for the disappearances and murders of several other men over the past several years. And so mm. they start, you know, they have him under arrest and now they start questioning him and also start trying to, you know, get warrants to look at over each of his properties that he had access to to try and locate the victims' bodies that they were sure that he was responsible for. Right. So at the time of his arrest, police believed he was responsible for the deaths of other men and was, mo and was most concerned with identifying these victims. Doing so included coordinating with other police services, tracing MacArthur's whereabouts and his activity online. Hundreds of officers were involved and 30 properties were to be searched. Mm. And they started with his apartment and Leaside home. Police executed search warrants on January 18th uh, at five properties associated with MacArthur and his landscaping businesses, four in Toronto and a nine acre property in Northeast in Maddock, uh, Ontario, the Maddock property and home on Collins road were residences of Roger Horan, a landscaper and longtime friend of MacArthur. So someone involved in the landscaping business with him who he had access to this property. Right. And another property was searched, uh, that was searched was the condominium of MacArthur's former boyfriend on Con on Concord place. These three properties were released back to their owners by January 23rd, but of the greater concern to investigators were MacArthur's high-rise apartment in Thorncliffe Park and the Mallory Crescent residence in Leaside. So they cleared out their first three residences, didn't find any remains there. Right. Um, but now there's plenty more places to look, and the owners of the Leaside residence were barred from their home January 18th so that forensic investigators could search it. The search of the property was extended to an adjacent ravine aided by cadaver dogs and members of the heavy urban search and team rescue team. Cadaver dogs took a strong interest in a large planter box uh, <laughs> on January 19th. Indeed Several planter boxes. These planters had frozen to the ground, requiring heaters to thaw them. A large planter was wrapped on January 22nd and brought to the coroner's office. On January 29th, police announced that they had found the dismembered dis dismembered skeletal remains of at least three people in two of the 12 large planter boxes seized by the Leaside residents from the Leaside residents. Although the remains had not been identified, police had gathered enough evidence to charge MacArthur with three additional counts of first-degree murder in the presumed deaths of Majid Kayan, uh, Sarush Muhammad, or, or Mumidi, Mumudi, Mumudi, Mumudi. Yeah. who disappeared in 2015, and Dean Lizawick, a homeless man who had never been reported missing, and they, yet they found his remains. So this is another victim that was unexpected in the mix. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Probably just an opportunist killing a guy that he saw, you know, in the streets and knew that, you know, no one would report him missing. Right. And he right. would be correct about that. On February, 20, or February 8th, police announced that they had found the remains of three more people in planters from the Leaside home and that one of the six sets of remains belonged to Andrew Kinsman. 
and he was identified through fingerprints. So mm. they finally had answers to that one. I'm sure his friends and family knew all along that, you know, he was most likely not alive. Yeah. <clears throat> Additional planters were seized from across the city, including one from the Danforth neighborhood and two properties in North Rosedale were searched. Unidentified remains were found in 2018 inside of a planter at the same Canadian home where six others were unearthed. And on January 29th, 2019, with all of this evidence, you know, against him, he knew he had no chance and he pleaded guilty to eight counts of first degree murder in Ontario Superior Court and was subsequently sentenced to life imprisonment with no eligibility for parole for 25 years. Gosh. There was, you know, obviously a trial and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, there was just overwhelming evidence. So yeah, many, he was connected he to of all of these guys. And then he was connected to where the remains were found, having access to those properties. Right. Ev physical evidence in his, you know, his apartment with the pictures on his hard drive, the blood in his van. There was just zero chance for defense here. Right. He didn't try to plead insanity or anything like that, did he? He just kind of. No. But he never admitted to it, though. He pleaded not guilty. Right, mm -hmm. but he never yep. pleaded uh, insanity or. Well, he pled guilty, but defense. yeah. Um, so as we know, there was some. This was a controversial investigation uh, through and through. Um, the high-profile investigation and media coverage has drawn controversies, including accu accusations of indifferent indifference toward the LGBTQ uh, people and racialized and homeless persons as well. Gay activists and editorial writers have suggested that the police only looked at the disappearances seriously when a white man, Andrew Kinsman, was reported missing. Mm. Um, it's been, uh, you know, that's also been uh, argued against. CBS News examined hundreds of pages of partially redacted court orders unsealed in September of 2018 and concluded that there had been a considerable effort toward investigating all three Project Houston subjects. Um, but we can agree that throughout this thing, just going over this case that he should have been under surveillance sooner, that they should have connected dots a lot sooner to Bruce. Yes. Uh, and also it, it, we wish that uh, the whole pipe over the head incident had been on his record to begin with as well. And that was a yeah. big part of the issue is had they known that he was a violent criminal because the dude, as far as the police are concerned, he was connected to, you know, two of the first three victims through work or whatever, or through the gay community. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, it's, it's a community of tight knit, a tight knit group of people that a lot of times are going out together at night. And maybe there was a lot of people that were connected to those first three victims through the gay scene. Yeah. And you can't like basically just arrest all of them. Um, so there, there's that. And then there's the fact that what they were looking at was a 50 year old man who had no criminal record essentially. Right. And so yeah. like, had they seen that if it was on his record that he'd been bashed an in you know, unprovoked attack, uh, over another gay man, maybe they could have put him under surveillance then. But there was definitely, they could have done a better job of, of targeting Bruce right away and putting him under surveillance and maybe prevented a couple of these murders, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As in most cases, things definitely could have been done better, especially when you consider that, you know, they had every advantage in, uh, of today's modern society. They had the internet, they had his search history, they had yep. surveillance, they had GPS, everything else that they could have used to yeah. track his whereabouts, track his prior whereabouts, and who he's connected to, who he's been hanging out with. Yeah, and something else you mentioned earlier kind of caught me by surprise, but you talked about how they used his key fob data. I didn't mm. even know, I didn't even know key fobs of 2004 were, were keeping data. That's kind of, yeah. that's kind of crazy. Right. Right. So imagine what your key fobs are keeping now. If you have a car, you know, post 2004. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just a Dodge Caravan. This is just a regular car. It's not like it's a Mercedes or, you know, a Lexus or something like this is just a, a an average car that most people, a lot of people had, you know, a Dodge Caravan. And it's like keeping track of your location and your travels. That's kind of, it's kind of strange. Right. Were you aware of that? Did you know key fobs were doing that? I had that? no idea key fobs were tracking like when they were used and things like that. I imagine it's just like a time log of when the key fob unlocked the car or started the Wait, car. Yeah. Things like that. It's probably car. very basic data, but can be really used to track someone's whereabouts if they're so inclined. Exactly. The car was unlocked at Maybe this time. Maybe not whereabouts, the, but the engine their was time, at they this time. time stamps of when they drove and when yeah. they weren't driving, things like that. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And the car itself may have been tracking where where he went, and so who knows? Yeah, 
Wow. All right. So that's all right. It, well, man. that's our two parter on Bruce MacArthur. Right on. We could have we could have made it five parts if we really wanted to go into a ton of detail about the trial and all that. But ultimately, we knew he he had no chance at a defense because right. of the overwhelming evidence. He ended up pleading guilty knowing this. Yeah. Um, Finally. And as far as yeah, and also all, as far as all the controversy, we went through the case. You guys know that there could have been a lot done better, and hopefully, Toronto police learn from this and do a better job next time. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it is it is kind of disheartening that that a case this awful in today's day today's uh, day and age is still oh my god certain victimology right. there's you know certain people are overlooked and still targeted and yeah, yeah. 2015 he was put away man that's seven years ago that's that's mm-hmm. not that long ago for these mistakes to have been made so uh, you can understand while the L- why the lgbtq community is getting upset you can understand while why different race organizations are getting upset because it, it just shouldn't have took that long it really shouldn't right. have it really yep. shouldn't have and it shouldn't take you that long to switch to oh my Gaia. no it really right? shouldn't i mean like, it's, what are you waiting it's, for yeah it's an easy decision i assume that most of you are already have oh my guy in your armpits at this point right i mean God, we've been I talking so. about them for four years seriously almost five I, ho- I hope so. Yeah. Oh My Guy is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. In Oh My Guy, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And guys, have tons of scents to choose from, from Barbershop to Sailor, Sweet Pea, Pear, Bergamot Amber, Fireside, Honeysuckle, Lumberjack, Leather, Dreamsicle, Coconut, Egyptian Musk, uh, lemongrass, lavender, and we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine. And there's many more that I haven't named, but True Crime Pine will be a great place to start. It's a great unisex scent. Anybody can wear this, smell great, feel great. And because you are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order. That's C R E E P E R for 15% off your order at shop underscore oh my guy on Instagram or oh my guy.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com, guys. Again, ohmygaia.com. Use code word CREEPER for 15% off your order. And there are links Uh, right below the description of this episode. As there's also a link to our other premier sponsor, Tonic CBD. It's true, not all CBD products are created equal. From how the hemp is grown and processed to how it's formulated and delivered into your body, every step of the process that goes into making the products affects your ultimate experience with it. Uh, from how that from that's why tonic products really stand out founder Brittany Carbone created her own original formulas using CBD adaptogens herbs and superfoods back in 2017 and has been working to deliver the most effective intentional and sustainable products possible tonic craft cultivates their own hemp from their certified farm in upstate New York that hemp travels only 30 minutes to their state-of-the-art manufacturing and distribution facility where it's turned into the finished product and sent to you ensuring only the highest quality vibes at every stage of the process Tonic's farm-to-bottle CBD plus botanical blends are uniquely formulated to provide targeted support where you need it most. Each and every high-quality ingredient is thoughtfully selected for its ability to support and enhance the benefits of CBD, resulting in a more effective, well-rounded, and consistent wellness solution for your mind and body. They have a bunch of different blends depending on your needs. Chill Tonic has been one of my favorites for anxiety. It has ashwagandha, lemon balm, and passion flower to deliver a super calming effect. But it's also cool that they uh, they use black seed oil in a lot of their blends which is a powerful antioxidant and it's great for your immune system and only just scratches the surface of what this superfood can, can, can do. It's really cool to see that they combine it with CBD like this. Um, so with values rooted in quality, integrity, and sustainability, Tonic is committed to creating plant-based wellness products that are good for you and good for the planet. Visit tonicvibes.com to learn more and use code word creeper to save 20% off at checkout. That's tonicvibes.com. Code word creeper for 20% off. That link is below, as Michael said, as well. Right on. And yep. also, guys, check out Patreon. These are products we use every day. I mean, we, we use yeah. both Oh My Guy and Tonic CBD every day. And right. most of uh, most of our pay is just in product, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, and it's well worth it. So, yeah, well yeah worth exactly. It. We appreciate it very much. And, guys, by supporting these small businesses, you also help support our show, and we appreciate that very much. Speaking of support our show, before we go into our Patreon spiel, we've been neglecting to mention the people who have taken the time to rate and review the show lately. And so we got some catching up to do as far as that's concerned. Um, And I'm not exactly sure where we left off, so someone might get a double shout, but I'm going to go off of where about where I remember. Okay. Uh, So we'll go with uh, 
WN Hans 96 from the U.S. says, keep the giggle. I love the podcast and true crime. Thank you for the entertainment. Uh, five stars. Thank you so much. Uh, then we got Dirty Diana uh, says, love it. Uh, this is my favorite true crime podcast. Keep it coming. And Dirty Diana is from the U.S. as well. And we got Jess Kaka B. Uh, in the U.S. says, not a boomer. You guys rock. I've binged all your freeloader episodes in like three weeks. Uh, <laughs> in doing it so quickly, it was awesome to see you guys develop into the true crime pod stars that you are today. I feel like we're homies. <laughs> that not a boomer That not a boomer title thing, because I was poking some fun at her because she DMs saying that she didn't know how to uh, leave a review and said, I swear I'm not a boomer. And then I quickly sent a screenshot of how you send a review and I said, maybe you are a boomer because it takes like two seconds to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Big shout out to you, right. Jess Kaka. Background uh, on that quite one. a name there, Jess Kaka. Right. Maybe, maybe it's Jess KK. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Angel, Angela, Angela from California in, in, in the U.S. obviously says, love these guys, love these guys, great banter, and uh, love the songs at the beginning of each episode. These guys rock. Thank you, Angela. Then we got True Crime Buff 84 in the U.S. says, love, 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 love this podcast, great storytelling, and I love the banter. Don't let anyone tell you different. Lauren reminds me of my little brother. You guys are amazed. Right Thank on. you. And then we got Andre Armstrong from the U.S. says, "Best podcast ever. You guys are so amazing. Best podcast I've heard. You give me. You guys give sympathy to the families and make more stories come to light for these victims so they aren't forgotten. Thank you for giving us, folks, best podcast ever. I will listen to your new podcast when they come out. Thank you. From Taylin was that person's name. So thank you, Taylin. Right on. Uh, <clears throat> still got two more. Okay. Libra Luck 007 from the U.S. says, great show. Love the show. Uh, found this from following true crime guys. The Strange Shorts are great. Oh, this is for Strange and Unexplained, a review. Oh, okay. I didn't okay. even realize they were mixed in here. So, yeah, shout out, big shout out to yeah. Michael and Andy over there with Strange and Unexplained. Getting a five-star review there as well from Lib- Libra Luck 07. Yep, that's our other free show. If you guys are yep. unaware, check out Strange and Unexplained by True Crime Guys uh, wherever mm-hmm. you listen to podcasts. Yep. Um, and then one more, uh, rock fem, fem KC in the U S obviously says, love this. Just discovered your show doing research for my own podcast launch was looking for bloody benders podcast, stumbled upon your show. And now I'm hooked. (laughs) I find myself looking forward to the music in the beginning as a music lover. I really enjoy that and makes you guys unique. So you just say, so you, so just know I'm taking some tips on how you guys do your show and only hope mine will be as entertaining as I find yours. Writing from Kansas City, and I'm not sorry the Chiefs whooped the 49ers butt in the Super Bowl that one time. Laugh out loud. Fuck that you. one time. <laughs> <laughs> I went from saying thank you for the review to you can kiss my ass. Oh, you done, you done, you done fucked up, reviewer. You shouldn't have talked I'm about the kidding, 49ers. KC, we'll get our revenge. Don't worry. Don't right. worry. We're getting, we're getting rid of the dead weight that was Jimmy G, and uh, <laughs> Trey Lance is going to put us over the top. There you go. Those Kansas All City All you had fans. to do was make one throw, <laughs> one throw, and we would have beat you guys. You did not beat our ass. It was a literally one-play scenario. Here we go. And, by the way, that big play, the buzz or whatever the fuck it was to Tyreek, yeah. Bosa was being completely bear-hugged, and they didn't call a holding, and that would have won us the game. If they just Bullshit. made one fucking call during that whole game, we would have won. So I don't don't get me started. I've already gone into this. Seriously, seriously. If you want to hear us talk more football, though, we do have another football show on our network, Fantasy Football. Yes, Full House Fantasy Football. Uh, that I do that every week with my buddies Tori and Josh. Uh, check that out. We have our own. Uh, you just type in Full House Fantasy Football anywhere. YouTube, That's right. Uh, I, you know, iTunes, whatever, and you'll find it. Yeah, and fantasy. So yeah, check that out. It's fantasy season, guys. No better time yeah. than to jump on and get some get yep. some tips from these guys. And if you're part of our Creeper League, which we do a Creeper League every year uh, with patrons, mm-hmm. then uh, you definitely want to listen because you can kind of get some inside knowledge on what these guys are doing. You know, I know, right? You know the do. guys that I'm drafting in the yeah. upcoming draft, and you can yeah, and I'll beat me snatch them up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. You're probably right. gonna come on the show and just give a bunch of bullshit. That's what I would do. I <laughs> no, wouldn't even. <laughs> we, we've talked about that. We just can't help ourselves. We give our true feelings on players. You, 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 you know, you yeah. can't sit there and BS. If you don't like a guy, I can't sit there and act like I like I like his fantasy upside or whatever. No, no, no. That's not your style. So no. you can you can kind of get a good idea on how to manage your your fantasy teams for sure. Full House Fantasy and like we said earlier, and Strange and Unexplained. Both of those yep. shows can be found on free platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. Every week, there's a new episode as well. That's right. Uh, yep. New Strange and Unexplained every Monday. New Full House every Thursday. Right? Usually every Friday morning slash Friday Thursday morning. night late. Yeah. Okay, right on. 
Um, but if you guys are already up to date with all of our free stuff and you want even more True Crime Guys, we have even more for you, believe it or not, on Patreon. Patreon.com slash True Crime Guys. You can get access to everything we make, including just the banter, which we record every, I mean, which we release every Friday. We're about to record after this show uh, with video as well. Uh, also, Strange Shorts uh, that me and Andy do for Strange and Unexplained is released every single Monday, which you can hear some of those samples of Strange Shorts on the free platform of Strange and Unexplained. Um, Lauren's 5-Minute Murder with video comes out every single Saturday. Um, and then, of course, the True Crime Guys Patreon exclusive, which we do once a month. You'll have access to all of those. or 60-something of those on Patreon. Um, and then what else? Sandu Stories. Sandu Stories we do once a month as well, which is our, you know, our produced audio drama, if you will, with voice actors and sound effects and, mm. and theme music. Uh, and that is a once a month show as well. And I think we got 18 of those available right now. Oh, man. What a um, ride that would be to go through all those at once. Oh, I know, right? Uh, so that's on Patreon, guys. Patreon.com slash True Crime Guys. And if you are one of those people who like to start all the way at the beginning of True Crime Guys, you want to hear episode one, um, you can do that on Patreon as well. For just two bucks a month, you get access to the TCG Vault. And you can go right. all the way back to Randy Craft, which was our very first episode, um, I think back in January of 2017, I think. Um, yeah. It's been a long time ago. Before Bruce so, MacArthur was... Uh was on his killing spree. That's how long we've been doing this. That, oh, wow. It's wow. crazy to think, right? Yeah. Oh, no, wait. 2017. No, he was in prison. He then. was, you know, he was mid. No, you got, we just went through. He convicted, was it 2018 he was convicted? Oh, okay. Anyways. Okay. So he was still, uh, so they were still wrapping things up. Yeah, in 2017. Yeah, still, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. They were just wrapping things up with Bruce MacArthur. That's crazy. Yep. Yep. I'm surprised we didn't cover him then. It was probably all in the news and shit. Yeah. No doubt. We, but, were, uh, we were covering Richard Ramirez and a lot of older stuff then. Yeah, right. We had to, But that stuff wasn't as covered back then. There wasn't as many true yeah, crime podcasts true. as there is now. So it's a little bit no. more saturated now. But yeah, patreon.com slash true crime guys. Uh, you can hear everything that we make for five bucks a month, guys. All right. Do it. Anything else? Patches. You want to talk about patches? You can get pat buy some patches. Yeah, we, got we can talk about still. some patches. We still got some of these bad boys. We're going to be coming up with a new That's design right. soon. We're thinking about maybe doing uh, the Hush Your Mouth Boy patch. That's what I'm kind of feeling mm. right now. Hell yeah. um, I like the Hush Your Mouth Boy. If you guys are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can see this patch yes. that I'm showing right now, as well as what the new patch will be. I'm sure you guys have heard the Hush Your Mouth Boy at the end of every mm. single uh, episode that we do. Well, we actually have like a little a little graphic for it as well that pops up at the end of our videos on YouTube. So go on there, subscribe to our YouTube channel, check that out, and that'll probably be our next patch. It'll be a you know a, a, probably a three by three square, a lot like this one, and it'll have uh, Lorne on there, a little cartoon Lorne, but he'll be wearing a gi <laughs> and uh, and his 49ers hat, of course. Yeah, of course. And uh, saying hush your mouth. Because when I roll in jujitsu, I'm always wearing my 49er hat. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you can use that bill to push on airways. And oh yeah, you can, you yeah. You can you can really uh, you can really yeah. tap people out with that. How does someone get how does someone get a patch if they want one? Uh, you can go to truecrimeguys.com. Truecrimeguys.com. Click on patch of the Easy month. Enough. Patch of the month. There you go. That's it. Easy enough. Yep. Or you can sign up for the ten dollars tier on Patreon and be able to do a Zoom call with us. Plus, mm -hmm. get all of our content, and you also get a patch assuming you sign up for the year uh up front so that's yeah. the way to get a patch the next uh, there's been two people so far i gotta send another one out. i already sent one out i gotta okay. send the second person but i think did i say five or ten people the next uh, we'll do how many do i have i, I might thought, have ten i think we'll you see, said we'll five people ten. i think you only okay, have five okay. on hand but i have others right. if so if then we've ten. already had two so the next three people that sign up at the ten dollar tier for a year it's like 108 dollars. okay and then you're good no monthly payment we'll get a patch as well Right, and you and also, I usually throw in some stickers if I'm not lying. Yeah, so right on. You get a nice little care package if you sign up at that tier. I do the same thing too. I'm like, what do I got on hand? I'm just gonna throw a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff in this envelope. Yeah, so yeah, little personalized note too. That's right. It's That's nice. right. We appreciate it, guys. We really do. Yep. yep. All right. All right. That about does it. We'll That's see you guys uh, next week for another freeloader one before we go on to Patreon again. I think so. I think we got Correct. one more. All right. We'll see you next week. Keep All right. Creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. 
I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. From the minds of true crime guys, come. TCG Weekly. If you've enjoyed this episode, Please feel free to check out all the other programs on the TCG network. Every Wednesday, a new episode of True Crime Guys proper, Strange and Unexplained on Mondays, and Full House Fantasy Football on Fridays to start your weekend. And if those aren't enough, head on over to our Patreon account, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of content, including older episodes and other Patreon exclusives like Strange Shorts, Sandu Stories, Higher Thoughts, and the 5-Minute Murder Show. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. Hey, how, do you, how do you shut this thing off? Over?